Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Wow, it has been a minute. <laughs> it has been a minute. It's nice to it's nice to be in this space with you, Tori. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was just thinking about as I was logging on how much I miss it. It's, yes. it's part of kind of part of my routine. And then when I don't see you for a while, it feels like a lot of time has passed, even if it's only a few weeks. It's it's strange how that happens. Maybe it's part of getting older that time just seems to change. Does it, it go shifts. faster or slower? I think it does both. I think, like the other day you said, where did May go? And I totally agree. I don't know what happened. It, it's gone. And, you know, we got back from the Inchfest third week in April, right? And then it, it just flew by. We did a couple of recordings, but then it was it was gone. That gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but there has been some exciting developments in the time. <laughs> Things have still been happening. Life has happened, yeah. but in a good way. Yes. I played tennis. I went you to did. tennis camp and you went to Red Rocks to see a concert. Yes. Yes. And- we did those. And you had a play published. Yes. Everyone, you should check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. It is, um, it's published by Youth Plays. Snow White and the Seven Chilaquiles. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. So, but that's that's very exciting. And you know uh, what's very exciting about it, Tori, is that you were the person who said, "Why don't you write about Snow White?" <laughs> and then yeah, did. and there it is. It was the proper fairy tale for you to fracture. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's pretty exciting. And but Tori, you have some pretty exciting news yourself, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. So um, a, a play that I wrote, a play very special to me called Box of Teeth, um, was selected as one of the seven, and it is a festival called The Seven, um, with Fusion Theater in New Mexico. And so that is going to happen in Albuquerque, It is going June 16th to the 19th. That's the the seven that were chosen. But then they do the second seven. So they actually choose 14 plays. They do seven that get three performances. And then they do staged readings of a second group of seven plays, which is pretty cool. And that's going to happen on the 20th. That is super awesome. Yeah. And then yours, it's like, it's a full production, right? It's a full production. Yeah. Super rad. Yeah. These are juried scripts and they're performed in the same evening of theater. I think it's just going to be so much fun. Um, So I'm, I'm really, really excited to visit uh, um, Fusion Theater Company. I've, I've read about it over the years. Um, This festival is supposed to be a, a great festival. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with all of these plays. And and my daughter will be with me. So that's fun. That is so cool. That's very exciting. Wait. Here's one thing, Tori. What is so, it? So this conversation is going to be, um, we're going to be sharing the actual uh, panel that we moderated at the Inch Festival. But one of the things that we forgot to elaborate on in our previous episode 
was about the amazing cookies <laughs> that we were like, we're going to talk about that. And then we never did talk about that. Oh my God. What Those cookies like? were from Casey's Creations. Casey's Creations. Do you remember what cookie you had? So it was chocolate and peanut butter ganache and i think there were also m&ms in it yeah so it was like it was like a it was a cookie sandwich right so it was like a cookie sandwich like you know like a chip witch but but instead of vanilla ice cream it's peanut butter ganache and it was this cookie is like i still can taste it it's so good like it was delicious and remember we had them for um yes a a day like a couple of days right because we forgot them right we're like oh you know like we've been so we were so busy there was so much Mm -hmm. to do that we were like okay we'll save this for later and then yeah and And, i think we had them the night before we left right yes and then we were like (laughs) metaphorically punching ourselves in the face for not buying more of these to take home because because we were leaving early the next morning and there was no way we could make a trip back into town they weren't going to be open but i surely would have bought some more and even tried the other flavors because they were so delicious and remember people (gasps) Mm -hmm. were telling us like people would show up just to buy the cookies and we're like ah you know no Uh, yeah right no cookies that good they were that oh they were that good (laughs) yes so anyone visiting independence kansas you have got to check out those sandwich cookies at Casey's Creations. Delicious. Delicious. Yes. All right. Yes. Now let's talk. Now let's uh let's segue over to this CYA conversation that we had with these amazing these amazing theater artists, including Idris Goodwin. This conversation took place on the second day of the William Inge Theater Festival. And this is the TYA track, and it's an amazing conversation with panelists um, who are in charge, some of the movers and shakers making decisions about children's theater. Andy Dries Goodwin, who recently became the TYA USA board president. All right, without further ado, Tori, let's let's hear this conversation. Hey, Tori. Hey, Pavel. So where are we right now? Right now we are in Independence, Kansas, and we are at the Inge Festival. We are at the Inge Festival, but we are specifically... We are specifically in a TYA panel magic room. I feel like this is a magic room. Definitely. Yes. Room 107, the basement of the Student Union. And we are recording live. Um, but actually, when, when y'all hear this, it won't be live. But, um, but we have a panel of distinguished guests, stalwarts <laughs> of the TYA scene. Um, so I'm going to have everyone introduce themselves so you can get a feel for their voices. And we will start with our playwright. Hey, everyone. Idris Goodwin here. Heat to the his. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been jamming uh, for a couple days talking about TYA. Um, the William Inge Festival celebrates living playwrights, and and we we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about no playwright if we're not talking about writing for the babies. Okay? That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm Julia Flood, uh, she her, and I am the artistic director of Metro Theater Company in St. Louis, Missouri. 
which is going to be celebrating 50 years of creating theater. Gadzooks. Next season, yeah, yeah. Over 2 million kids. Wow, I don't know how I can follow that. <laughs> hey, everybody out there. I'm Kalia Davis. I use she, her, hers. I'm the artistic director of Bay Area Children's Theater located in California. And I guess the only thing that could maybe be close to that is uh, are the show that we have premiered recently and that is currently running is our 100th show that we have done in our 18 seasons. So that's a pretty nice round number. Yes. Hey, my name is Jacqueline Thompson. I'm a St. Louis-based actor, director, associate professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and an associate artist for Metro Theater. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for those introductions. Fabulous. So we would like to just open it up with telling us what, why, why are you interested in TYA? Great. Well, I, I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, I started, like a lot of us, I think, th in what, what we in TYA sometimes call mainstream theater, theater for grown-ups. I specifically studied um, classical theater, so I was doing Shakespeare and Chekhov and Shaw, and, and really into like diving into what is the world of that playwright. And then at a certain point, I thought, well, I want theater to change lives. I really want to do theater that means something to people. And I started as an actor and then started getting into directing and did some writing. And, and I discovered TYA almost by accident and went, this, this is where lives can actually be changed because you are doing work for young people at a point in their lives when their idea of what the world is is being formed and where they can look on the stage and see someone who looks like them or someone who doesn't look like them and walk in their shoes for a moment and imagine a world that's bigger than the world that they are living in. And at that moment, I dove in and never looked back. And I've now been in TYA for, I think, 25 years. So, um, and it feeds me every day. So that's that's how I got into it. Okay, I go. Um, <laughs> in my uh, early 20s, I taught elementary school and, and I kind of fell into that role. It was a Teach for America type kind of thing. And the first thing I noticed, and I had a theater and communications background, but what I noticed is that there was no structure like for play, and structure and play sound like opposing, but there was nothing in the curriculum that let children be free and creative, and I would be making up stuff for them to do, making up songs to count, and all this kind of stuff. And so that was really um, a motivation or a, a passion to see them be able to take those issues, like Julia said, to challenge and inspire and change. And the other part of it, growing up, I was super like introverted and quiet and weird and like just whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, seeing shows and playing in my room with my Barbie dolls and creating these stories is what gave me my voice and, and allowed me to kind of do what I'm doing now. So it is it is for the visibility. Um, it's for the, the magic and just also to be able to let them see their reflections on stage and also, you know, deal with the issues that they don't always get to see and unfold and explore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I 
love all of that. I'm going to yes and in improv and in theater. We love using that term yes anding, and I am a yes ander. Uh, both and because I'm sitting in between two incredible humans. I would also just like to add on to everything that's just been say, said that I am a product of youth theater. So I was a kid that was shy, but then would watch the Cosby show and be like, I want to be like Rudy Huxtable. And my mom's coming from a path of education was like, well, then we're just going to put you in classes to be an actor. And that notion of you could teach kids how to do the thing that you're passionate about stayed with me for my whole life. I've been a teaching artist for many, many years because I started so young. And then I recognized that actually it's a really great way to stay connected to the arts as much as possible um, while still pursuing being a professional working actor and a choreographer, director, and whatnot. So it's really... Um, something that I have just felt that I've always been a part of in some capacity, whether it's performing for kids, whether it's teaching children, whether it was being a kid myself in those classes. So I feel like youth theater, TYA, has always just been a part of my journey as an artist. Uh, I think writers, we want to reach as many people as possible. And for me, uh, TYA is, is you're actually writing for multi-generational artists, you know, or mm -hmm. um, audiences because um, those young people don't get there by themselves there's some adult that brought them and so mm -hmm. for me it's just consideration of the young people in the room mm -hmm. when you're writing and um, so that, that that's what really I find fulfilling about it is the inclusiveness of it I wonder and I'm, I'm really glad to hear from the playwright because I wanted to ask then um, how do you all find the playwrights that you want to collaborate with whether it's as a director or a producer Shall I tell the story of how <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> Get in so, there. I the way I first met Idris, who which I consider him to be a good friend now. Um, I moved to St. Louis in uh, and started as artistic director there. I was taking over for somebody who had been in the seat for 36 years, I think. Oh, wow. Some, somewhere in there. She, she was a, a performer before she took over as artistic director. So I knew there would be a lot of shift and change. And St. Louis is a very particular community with a lot of history that you have to really understand. And it takes mm -hmm. a while if you're not from there. Um, I moved there in, I started in February of 2014. And in August of that year, Michael Brown was shot and killed. And our community became sort of the national focal point for the racial troubles that have plagued this country. Um, and I started reading, going, what are we going to do about this? What do the kids in St. Louis need to process this. And a lot of people from outside St. Louis were coming in and you know there were some cool things that came out of that, but really addressing where those kids were and their families were and giving them a place to feel safe to talk about what they were going through, um, I knew was, I could feel how important it was that I find the right piece. And I was reading a lot of pieces and I was talking to a lot of people in the community. And a friend of mine, it, who at the time was at, um, I think she was at Indiana Rep, um, 
emailed me and she said, I never do this, but you need to read this play. And she sent me the play. I don't know if she asked you, but <laughs> she sent me Idris's play uh, and in this corner, Cassius Clay, mm -hmm. which uh, he had written very specifically for that community in Louisville about Muhammad Ali growing up as Cassius Clay in the Jim Crow Louisville. And as I read it, the hair on back of my neck started to stand up. I went, this is the play. This is talking exactly about the issues that kids are looking at in our community, that families are dealing with, the feelings that are going on. And it's about a superhero. How do you, it's about the making of a superhero. And um, I reached out to Idris and we started communicating some and then we produced the play in February of 2016. And we built a community um, coalition around it, people talking, and I, I had no idea. I knew it was the play that I needed, but I had no idea about how the community would respond, mm -hmm. how the Muslim community in St. Louis would mm -hmm. respond. We had one performance that HR directors from hospitals came. Uh, and had a panel discussion about how to talk about these issues with their staff and how their staff could talk with their children. Oh, wow. It was one of those times where it really was, you know, you, you start with an idea and then you see that it's doors open and you know it's the right idea. Mm -hmm. um, not all plays happen like that, <laughs> but that was, that was, uh, and, I always say to Idris, you know the hair on the back of my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one way, is just really trying to dig into what's actually happening yeah. in front of you, right? I don't want to give Idris his flowers because, mm -hmm. like for real, all the flowers, because I saw how we got on at uh, Actors Theater of Louisville, yes. and that's when I first saw your work. And I was like, this is authentic, and it's real, and I'm connecting. And so those are the three things I look for. What is real for students? I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of fluff, and you've never given us fluff. It's always, <laughs> it's always real and authentic. So I appreciate you for that. I think you're the dopest. Um, you know, but yeah, authenticity, real voices, real real stories. That, that's where I, I learn. Uh, something that I'm noticing now that I'm in a position where I can seek out playwrights and writers and creatives is this unfortunate lack of uh, databases or a one-stop shop where I feel like unfortunately adult theaters have a bit of a better handle on that mm -hmm. or they have there's just more opportunity to find directly those playwrights mm -hmm. that you're looking for mm -hmm. in children's theater especially because mm -hmm. in TYA we have so many new voices mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. and they're creating really great and exciting work but it might have been incubated in a very small mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. that isn't reaching widely mm -hmm. the visibility is less mm -hmm. so that is something that I'm actually recognizing as a challenge right now is that you want to find fresh new voices that can create the work that will be more authentic and real but unfortunately how are those voices getting out there to the mainstream getting so that we know about them and there have been some uh, 
cool, fun ways that they have started to try to fix that or improve upon that. Again, continuing to shower you with flowers uh, <laughs> with the Reimagine series through TYA USA. Um, our membership organization for the umbrella of all TYA in America. I mean, we've, we are really trying, but it is something that I'm noticing as a challenge is that finding playwrights or finding individuals who want to create and adapt work, um, it's not so easily or readily available. So yeah. what would you say to, to someone who has just graduated from a, from a program, um, maybe they've just gotten their MFA. I know there's a, there's a few programs in the country. There's probably like six is I think what we've heard about six that are specific to TYA. They're playwrights, because so we're not even looking at the performers, but like straight playwrights, want to write TYA, what, what advice would you give or what pathway would you recommend? Wow. That's a hard question. That, and that is, oh, you are like hitting it about TYA, which is on one hand, the most amazing, wonderful, beautiful thing about it is that there are no boxes, no boundaries, no, it's just, you, you could do anything in that genre. But then the issue is because there is no set pathway, you know, Julia brought up uh, our training and Jackie probably as well, like when you go to school for the arts, there's a very specific pathway that tends to happen, especially when you get to university. And then when you get out in the world, that's when you discover all these other ways you can be creative. Mm -hmm. And I love that you asked that because I don't think there is one surefire way to get your work out there to the world, but I know that there are so many creative and unique ways, and it may take you submitting your work to multiple festivals, multiple opportunities, multiple theaters. You might have to do a lot of blind emails. I'm getting a lot of emails now in my position from individuals who are just wanting me to read their work, which I think is very cool. Um, I'm like, oh, I'm not worthy. You're so talented. <laughs> But yeah, there's just so many different ways. I wish there was a way that we could say this is it, but I don't. I haven't seen it. I don't know if any of you have really yeah, come I across think it. Too, it, it, it's been tough the last couple of years in the pandemic because usually there would be at least once or twice a year some sort of gathering where mm -hmm. that was encouraged yeah. and where people could meet each other. I think Kalia and I met at one of those and um, and and so that you could get to know someone a little bit personally mm -hmm. and then they're more likely to read your work yeah. or um, or if you can find a theater that will do a reading of your play and then you can you know, sometimes when you're starting out, you need an advocate on your side yeah. who will say, hey, this, you know, this play may not be right for you, but this is a voice that I think has something going on. Um, sometimes, it, depending on the program, if you're in a, a, an MFA program, sometimes there are professors who, if you mm -hmm. say, who, who is going to mm -hmm. respond to what, the way I do it? And sometimes they'll be able to connect you, but I, I would agree, Kalia, that we one of the things I would love to see happen is that the sort of networking we've had an interesting pandemic. I think all <laughs> the other people have, um, but I feel like we've created some connections across the field during this time via Zoom meetings of all things that. Uh, uh, are going to help facilitate some of that yeah. um, and I'm hoping it's going to mean that some that a play like I was so grateful that the Cassius Clay play 
made its way to me because I would not have found it if a human being hadn't said, hey, I think you will, I know you, and I know you're in St. Louis, and you need to read this play, and you need to know who Idris Goodwin is. And I went, oh, you're right, I do. So, I mean, I think sometimes it's a real human connection that may lead to that. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I was uh, as you all are talking, what I what's coming to me is you got you have two responsibilities is to is to make plays, just 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 write the plays, um, and then you got to make relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So make plays and make relationships. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I would say this too, and this might be controversial. I mean, it, it can't hurt to send that that uh, email. Will you please read my work? But I, I actually wouldn't recommend it. I don't. I, I think you need to be more concerned about how do you make relationships. What are the conferences you need to go to? Mm-hmm. Go see the, the theater that that you want to produce. You go see their work. Go mm-hmm. see their shows. Yes. Go see their shows. Introduce yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If they're offering a class or a symposium, whatever, go to it. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, I think we have to think differently about the the sort of transactional relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're the product, you the playwright, you the person in the in the theater culture, you're the product, not the thing you wrote. Because you got 50, 60, 70 plays in you, and you're looking for a career, a long run career. And so it's it's the relationships that are going to nurture you. Okay, a theater can give you a production one year. Okay, what about next year? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that's I my I would mind. also say that because Metro Theater Company is a member of TCG, yeah. and I will get playwrights just sending me a play and mm-hmm. I'll see it's a takes place in a bar and it has yeah. you know, it's about a divorce and all that. I'm like you did not even look to see who you were sending this to right I mean if you're gonna send it cold write why you're sending it like I read you know even that Idris is never worked I'm telling you it's never worked it's never worked okay every everything that's happened for me as a writer I mean, I'm I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna. It's it's all through relationships or referrals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll, I'll see. I'll be like, oh, they're doing my play in this city, and then you know, I'll with a little investigation, I'll, it'll all come back to patient zero. It'll be like one person who's like, <laughs> I was determined. No, I met a dude yesterday. He who's here, who's a writer, Frankie Gonzalez. Shout out Frankie Gonzalez, who said, hey, you, your show bars and measures that's in Dallas right now. And I was like, how'd that show get to Dallas? He's like, I saw it when it was in New York and I went back to Dallas and I told them to do it. He name dropped the director. So I'm like, oh, you were patient zero. Like it started with you. It's always there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tr- probably true. Yeah. So, except for Kalia. So everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will, uh, not to stir the pot, but yes. I'm interested in the individuals who have recently been sending me their work uh, are not people of color. Mm. And I'm just curious about that notion of creating those relationships to get the advocate because of the opportunities that may uh, exist for one group of individuals mm-hmm. versus another. Mm-hmm. So that is something interesting, too, to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this conversation about relationships. I feel like that is a common thread, right? That we hear in other uh, in our conversations on the podcast about it's all about real relationships. Relations. I mean, that's a life lesson, right? It's all about relationships. And we were noticing at this conference really how small the theater world is. It can feel mm-hmm. like it's really vast, but in reality. 
um, you are connecting with you're going to find that thread back to patient zero. Mm -hmm. So um, I was interested, how, Jacqueline, mm -hmm. how did you meet Idris? What is your relationship? Yeah, so like I said, I saw how we got on at Actors Theater, and a year later, I started teaching at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. We had a theater department then. It's since been eliminated. Mm -hmm. um, but no. one of the, I was like, I want to do this show. And I think I sent you an email, maybe. I think I sent him an email and we worked that out. Um, but then, and then it went back to when you were doing caches. And yeah. I did some community stuff for uh, Metro, um, getting into uh, Normandy High School where Michael Brown went to school and he just came and did workshop and things like that. So again, like just this interconnected mm -hmm. path, you know? Yeah. And then you directed. Oh yeah, um, ghosts. Ghosts. How we got on? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm missing one. Um, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you were. There was I'm one. Miss, I'm missing something. Did you do the realness? Mm -mm. Did you do the hype man? Okay. Well, so, I don't know. It'll come so, to me later. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Jackie directed our production of Ghost, which we co-commissioned with Nashville Children's mm -hmm. Theater, mm -hmm. which closed on May, f no, March 1st, 2020. So just, <gasps> yeah. I mean, that was, the, yeah, we were like, whew. Yeah. yeah, so, and was really great on that COVID tip can I can I throw a question in here okay um, I mean what's it been like y'all because you know um, the primary core audience for TYA theaters is 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 usually like field trips schools mm -hmm. school groups yeah. and mm -hmm. schools and that whole institute you know that that's been going on its own up and down with mass mandates and field trips and virtual learning and you know how has that been like I feel like I've, I've seen a lot of um, more mainstream theaters start to come back last fall. Mm -hmm. You know, what's that been like in, in the TYA world? Like, what are some of the conversations and things you're having to negotiate and navigate with school boards and teachers and, and things like that? And and do you have any sort of predictions or, or, mm. or um, you know, et cetera, et cetera? That will come back to haunt us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what, you had a different road at Bay Area children's theater than we do. Yes, so uh, I come from an area in the country that was very, very, very conservative in how we approached COVID. And a lot of that meant that we had a lot of shelter in places and lockdowns during the first year and a half. So we truly could not gather at all um, and everything went virtual and so we wanted to create new ways that we could keep creativity and imaginative play alive even if we weren't able to physically gather in the same space and we just recently were able to open our doors in March of this year so last month we opened our doors and it has been really interesting to think about the type of work that we want to then put into our theater and how we want to welcome the young people back mm -hmm. into the space knowing that we've had two years of so many shifts and changes uh, society itself has shifted and changed changed and where people especially in the Bay Area and especially where I'm from Oakland we have our theater in Berkeley it is a huge activism center uh, the history behind the Bay Area so the young people that live there are exposed to a lot of what is actually happening in our world today so the type of work that we're putting in our stages 
I want to make sure that we are staying current mm -hmm. to what kids are needing and desiring. But mm -hmm. it is a challenge because sometimes that means that we've had to be very innovative and risk-taking, mm -hmm. and that risk has somewhat paid off because mm -hmm. As you're alluding to, parents are having different thoughts about how they want to come back to the space. Teachers and school boards are fighting with government about how they want kids to be able to travel and go on field trips or have people come back into their schools. So we are kind of at the mercy of what the caregivers are deciding for these young people, and some are ready to go. They're like, we've been sitting cooped up, let's get out. And, and we have educator nights, and we've had preview shows, and we've had pay what you wish and we've had all of these ways to include as many educators and students as possible in our spaces but in the end we have to go virtual with our student matinees it's exciting though because we've created some really beautiful lesson plan work we have some fun post-show activities that are led virtually but it is kind of sad that we finally are back in the theater we have a whole new musical that we've written ourselves and we we can only rely on the weekends for those performances because the school districts are still at war with this whole idea of can we go places with these young people. So instead, we are continuing to stay adaptive and go, okay, well then we will film it. So we got our actors in the space one day, we filmed it all, and we kind of rejiggered the whole show to make it work uh, because the show specifically is in the round, it's interactive, it's immersive, so we had to, it turned into a really cool Blue's Clues situation <laughs> instead, so we were like, like, okay, this is now direct to camera. You ask the kids to get up out of their desk and like get moving. And so that was a really cool thing. So we're finding the positives in all of this, but producing now after two years of not being able to do the thing that we know we're very good at has created some interesting tension and grappling in our organization. Yeah. Yeah, we've, um, we, we never stopped. I know some theaters like more the, bigger theaters kind of went, well, we can't do anything, we shut down. Um, and we never stopped. We kept connecting virtually. Um, we actually did one of Idris's plays yes. as an animated uh, play. It was, it was supposed to be a school tour. It was supposed to be a traditional take the trunk, mm -hmm. go to the gymnasium, do the school tour. And uh, Jamie McKittrick, who was our other associate mm -hmm. artist, she was supposed to direct it, and we kept talking, going, maybe it'll still happen, we'll just push it back two months, and you know, it became clear it wasn't gonna happen, and then we started talking about, well, if we were gonna do this some other way, what would be the way that we would do it, and, um, and then we started getting really excited about it, because it was something really different, and it worked really well with that material, and um, we used a sound designer that, that uh, Jackie brought to us, um, who was just great and created this amazing soundtrack to the piece and brought the actors in January of 21, I think it was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. a sound studio and uh, mm -hmm. they recorded it and, and I was really happy with the way it turned out. And that was, I had no skills for that. <laughs> Our team had no, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, but we just kind of went, well, let's let this material guide us and keep the same. 
vision and drive to serve these young people that we always have. Um, and and we were happy with it. And I know a lot of TYA companies were doing some yes. kind of virtual work. We also did a Zoom play that Jackie was in mm -hmm. that was written from COVID reminiscences gathered by uh, us and by the History Museum in town. Um, so, and it was early on. In fact, we called it early days. And when we, when you look at it now, you go, oh, I know exactly when that was. <laughs> um, and so that was interesting. It was a 15-minute Zoom play. So we kept, and our educational mm -hmm. stuff, our education team was working virtually yep. in classrooms. Yep. Um, then we did an outdoor performance mm -hmm. last spring. You yep. know, we kept going, will this fly? We sat everyone <laughs> on little patches of grass. And, um, and what, a, what, is a, what I have noticed every time we've done anything is this, you, you know, we always talk about theater is essential. People need to have this kind of experience. Um, and it became so clear because I, I would see a grandmother and her mm -hmm. grandson. We did a bilingual version of The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And they would be sitting on this pod and the grandmother would come up after with tears going, oh, I've so missed coming to the theater. Mm -hmm. I really am so happy to see my grandson having this experience. So you go, okay, it's worth it. It's really, 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 really hard, but it's worth it. <laughs> yes. um, and this last one, we were back in the theater and we were back with kids school trips coming but on a day you might have them say yeah we had a case and we're shutting down and the show doesn't happen that day um, and we were socially distancing and everybody had to be masked and um, and we were polling our audience and going do you prefer this do you not and we're St. Louis is a blue city in a red state so what flies in our immediate vicinity doesn't wow. beyond um, so it's just been and you don't know and Jackie and I mm -hmm. spent a lot of time when we were preparing we just closed um, uh, last sh yeah Cheryl West's mm -hmm. last stop on Market Street um, so musical all the things yeah. Um, which had we planned and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and finally did it yeah. and and there was one point where Jackie said should we even be doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but we did, and then the community, I mean, it was yeah. unlike most things I've experienced. Yeah. There was so much joy yeah. um, in the theater when they came in. That, that You know, you always love when kids come into a theatrical space yes. that look like I've never been in this before and um, and from the first beat they were dancing in their seats they were I, I mean and I gotta say you put together a fabulous team the musical director and the choreographer were uh, who's out of Denver Christopher Page Sanders I don't know. Oh, you gotta know. You gotta know. Relationships. Yeah, but we also have been filming all of our plays now, and we got the rights to film through this next season because 
we know that probably half mm -hmm. of our audience mm -hmm. of schools is not going to be able to come. And it's not easy because people are now going, well, the pandemic's almost over. We don't want to give you the rights. But, no. but I, I don't, yeah, I think the, that thinking around the videotaping of live performance may be shifting to, mm -hmm. you know, about how it may get kids and grownups to not be like, oh, they're going to do that instead, but like they're going to want to go if they mm, see it, mm -hmm. you know, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's the other thing. I wonder artistically what the pandemic has done for playwrights and, and like for me as a director, like I still want to do stuff that challenges and changes, yes. but I also need hope at the end of it. I don't think I was intentional about needing that for myself. I don't mm -hmm. want to sit for three weeks and direct something and at the end I'm like, you know, like, and before I don't think I... Um, I was that intentional about it, so I mm -hmm. do wonder like what that shift, mm -hmm. what that shift will be about programming and sure. um, yeah, like what and what people create right now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if that was like that was a joke. Yeah, no, this is a thought. Yeah, uh, just a, just a, yeah. I will say that I am. Um, I have never been so sure. Uh, or clear about what playwrights do and the role that we fill and, and, and that that is my craft that I am extremely proud of and I, I get what it is. I have no more question about it. Like, mm -hmm. I got it. Like, mm -hmm. people need to, you're writing for the room, you're writing for a room of people who are strangers and you're taking them on a journey and that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're in a lineage that goes back centuries, and shut your face and just write it down. <laughs> I got it. Um, it doesn't mean I can't also do the radio plays yeah. and little, yeah. little, yeah. little rap animated <laughs> thing, like all that. But in terms of playwriting, the art, the craft of playwriting, like that's what you're doing. So the question is, is you know, I'm thinking a lot about. You know, I'm I'm wrapping up pre-COVID plays right now, yeah. but I'm I'm getting ready to, to, to go into a new chapter of a, a new a new zone, um, and I'm very excited, and I'm about to I'm about to write a shit ton of plays, um, and and the thing I'm thinking about now is is exactly what you asked Jackie of like what what do people want what do people need to see right now but also we're heading into this goofy this like really goofy time right now with all of this like anti critical race theory yeah. stuff and this whitewashing mm -hmm. and all this like ridiculous tomfoolery with the policing of language and and for me I I really want to be like okay how do I still work within the quote unquote system, which is what artists have always done. So I'm like, okay, that's cute, y'all. Y'all think you're going, you think you're going, okay. Okay, buddy. Um, Cause I'm like, y'all tripping about words. Y'all, yes, your yeah. album is about words. So like, I can still talk about the thing. Right, mm -hmm. right, right, right. Like we do this, you're not gonna out language the language like masters. Right, 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 right. And the shit that happens, the things that happen that occur, like that's in people's DNA. That's in the names of streets. It's in the name of sports teams. Yeah. Like, what are y'all talking about? Right, so, right. to me, I'm really thinking about not necessarily joy because I think that word. I I, I don't. When people say, "Well, we need joy. We need joy," I'm like, eh. Um, 
it's just such an oversimplification, yeah, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, if, and then if the film Inside Out taught us anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was joy and a good cry. And there yeah. was joy, yes. and, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Joy yeah. and pain. To yeah. quote uh, the great uh, Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass. Yes. Uh, <laughs> joy yeah. and pain. Sunshine and, and rain. rain. Uh, open your hymnals. No, um, uh, so, so, so I am thinking about journeys. I'm thinking about journeys and magic and really classic sort of transcendent myths and 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 just not getting into the weeds of certain words and yeah. certain things I, i'm gonna i'm challenging myself i'm about to be in my aesop bag right now which yeah. is like i'm talking i want to talk about the thing like i don't want there to be any i don't want there to be any way in which um because i had I, I put these free plays out a, a couple years ago i did this series called free plays mm -hmm. uh, open source scripts for an anti-racist tomorrow and a teacher from Tennessee hit me up and was like, yeah, the kids really wanted to do your shows, but, you know, we Tennessee and, you know, your plays are considered critical race theory. Um, and, and so I was like, okay, I'm coming with another pack. I'm coming with a new pack that cannot, there is no way you can call it critical race theory, but it's still, we're talking about what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. You asked. No, the, I, no, no, no that's what that's, that's what yeah. we do. We have a conversation. So on that note, because I think this is, I mean, Julia, a question that we have for you, because we saw Jacked, oh. and want to know what that was like for you as an artistic director. We think it's because it, that was the play, FYI. That was the play that Julia was talking about that turned into an animated piece that I, yeah, we just brilliant. think is groundbreaking on so many levels. Um, but obviously. Thematically, Idris, um, you want to give like the, the the quick recap of what that is about? Yes, um, I I was living in Kentucky. I was listening to a public radio. They said Kentucky, West Virginia. These are these are um, the, the 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 high high um, use of opioids, and because of the opioid uh, boom, it was creating. Uh, uh, a higher level of kids in the foster care system because mm -hmm. the the, the um, child protective services were you know parents who, who were addicts and, and not being able to take care of the kids or they were going to court um, and so it got me thinking about the impact right like the what is what is the way in which addiction um, changes a community proliferates through a community and affects the children and so I started reading all the statistics on the psychological impacts that it has on kids and how some of these things are actually irreversible there are things that happen in that process that that um, kids struggle with and don't recover from it was obviously very heartbreaking so um, but one of the things that I was talking to a, 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 a shout, shout out Lindsay Bale uh, who does the foster care program inside of the Jefferson County Public School System and she and I had, had coffee and she told me that the, the biggest thing that she notices is a sense of guilt is that kids have a lot of guilt around it. They think it's their fault, right? And so I was like, uh, I want to write a play about this. And again, I want to be, I want it to be so not obvious that on one level you can watch it and just be like, this is a colorful, I was like, this is going to be the most entertaining, you know, piece of colorful, playful, fairy tale. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna put hip hop in it. Like I'm like, you will not be able to deny this play as an entertainment. But at the core of it, it is gonna be sort of commenting on not even directly like capital O opioids or capital D drugs, but really just more about what is the human, what is that about? That's about you know humans. Why, why do humans, you know, um, 
what, what are they seeking from certain substances, right? What are they seeking? What are they trying to avoid? What are they trying? So I made it more about that and less about the specific sort of thing. So I was like, I've always hated Jack and the Beanstalk as a, as a fairy tale, as a myth. I, I find it to be an inadequate myth, mainly because, uh, you know, it's got a great setup. <laughs> Family cow. We, we hungry. Taking the cow to, to market. On the way to the cow to market, Magic Bee Man comes. Trace the off. cow. Trace the cow for the magic yeah. beans. The, bee, the mom is like, what you doing? You're supposed to come back with where the money, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> now I got these magic beans, mama. She takes the beans, she throws them off. She, you know, you're brown. The beans grow. The beanstalk, boom, kickles up the beanstalk. Magic world, giants, gold laying eggs, gold harps. It's a wonderful world. Giant comes in, fee fi full fum. Kid runs down the, the beanstalk. They chop the, the beanstalk down. Giant falls over. Giant dies, and then Jack and his mom live happily ever after with stolen magic. <laughs> yes, that has always been a very unsatisfying ending and, and kind of problematic, yeah, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, my joint is going to extend that story. My joint is going to like talk about what happened after that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and we were off to go, and so it was. It's Jack and the Beanstalk. It's sort of you know this this sort of allegory about um, economically challenged communities uh, and you know what happens when these these sort of objects these these magical powerful objects enter into the community um, how does that affect the community change the community and what effect does it have on our young hero Jack who who's the one and then the the, 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 the complication is he's the one who brought it in mm-hmm. right. I mean, if, if we're doing a joke, he's the CIA in this. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. He's Franklin Saint in this, uh, in this analogy. So anyway, that's my very long-winded. With hip-hop, and it's all in verse, nonstop beats. Shout out Rhythm Science Sound, who did the original. Um, this was a co- uh, collaboration with Cleveland Playhouse and Stage One Family Theater, where I was formerly the artistic director. Uh, they were like, hey, Dries, do you want to write something for like our little community theater, mobile theater program? I said, let's, let's our two companies collaborate. You, y'all do it in, in the Ohio area. We'll, we'll do it here in, in, in Kentucky um, and we'll collaborate. And then, and then Julia got in the mix as Julia often does and was like, <laughs> hey, I want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you go bring it to St. Louis, right? Um, so that was, that was all the original setup. But it was originally written to be, as Julia said, yeah. We, we, pop in, we pop in the trunk. Two actors, one actor who plays Jack, one actor who, who plays like everyone else, yeah. every single other character. Yeah. Uh, so there was, so the, the, the Cleveland version had, they had like this person who had puppets and there was like short uh, uh, ladders and all that stuff. And then yeah. they, they brought that version. And so it, it did manage to tour in those regions in year one, just before COVID yeah. shut, it, shut it down. And, Julia was like left holding the bat, like okay. <laughs> and I'm like, Idris, do you ha- can I have the rights to stream it? Uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, when we started working on it, um, Jamie McKittrick, who directed it, and I, we were originally talking about it exactly as Idris said, and then uh, as we started to brainstorm it, well, this could be, you know, it's she, what Jamie said. It's really a sound play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of Idris's plays are that way like it has a there needs to be music under it and a beat and um, and the language is musical so it's really going to happen in the kids imaginations and so uh, we, as we were talking about that she said I don't even think it should be I mean it should be live actors voicing it but not necessarily we see 
the humans. At, at first, we were going to mix them, like have some oh. animation. It's sort of oh. like the way you did um, a kids play about a kids racism. play about racism, mm -hmm. and uh, and we started that way. And then we were trying to figure out who should be the the artist doing this work. And I showed Jamie some work by Nick Crea, who was a company member with Metro Theater Company for over 30 years and had Whoa. recently retired. And what's interesting is he went into retirement and wanted to really focus on playwriting, but he's been losing his hearing. And over time, though, as he loses more and more of his hearing, his plays are becoming more and more visual. He's now writing plays for like toddlers that are almost all drawings so wow. I, sh I showed uh, he had a play that was at right now in Arizona um, which is uh, has had a long history of developing plays and I think they were part of the reimagining oh, child's play? Child's yeah. Child's play. And, uh, and right now that that playwriting thing mm -hmm. um, he had a play there that was called my name is Lufa Tutu and it was about a little girl who didn't want to do the things she was supposed to do. She wanted to dance, she wanted to sing, she wanted to go to the moon. And it was all written with very few words and a lot of images. And I showed those images to Jamie and she said, yes, like that. Mm -hmm. So what she and Nick worked to create was something that was evocative but not telling the story that the words and the music were telling the story and this was just kind of sparking mm -hmm. um, the a kid's own creativity to go down that road and yeah the, you could sort of write a thesis about the way they <laughs> were layering it and the artists they were referring referencing and and we had jackpot mm -hmm. sound to do our um, soundtrack and now I'm forgetting the hip-hop duo. Knuckles. Knuckles, The yeah. Knuckles, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who are a hip-hop duo. And then uh, Jerris, who who played Ghost, uh, voiced Jack. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of one of those things where we were all so grateful to be making something mm -hmm. in COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we've had some people who I had one teacher say, I loved it, but why did they have to be black? Oh, yeah, and I went what? Because the opioid crisis in Missouri is white, mostly, oh. and she was like, wow. "Why did they?" It was a black. They're not. They're not any. They're no. It's not. I know. Race. They're animated. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I don't why know. you think all black? What you? What you <laughs> why you think they black? <laughs> why you think they black? I know, but and I mean, I think there were. She was not objecting to the content. She was objecting to. She yeah. felt like yeah. it was, uh, but uh, we had other people go, well, but that was a little disturbing. I'm like, really? Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so would you say that, um, because, you know, it, around the TY water cooler, <laughs> um, <laughs> the talk is adaptations, picture books, uh, theaters, safe. Yeah, mm -hmm. theaters are wanting to play it safe and not take chances on, on stuff that, you know, one parent might complain about and shut the whole field trip down. So what would you say to that? Because that's, I think that's one of the reasons why we, we responded to Jack is that it's, it's really taking chances and it speaks to mm -hmm. the, the populations that we tend to work with as teaching artists, yeah. um, which is wonderful because there's, there's, there's very little 
Um, it seems two way material that is out there for for kids, and like this is this is kids from everywhere struggle with problems like this. Yeah. Um, and so so what would you say to that and to theaters that are not taking those kinds of chances? I mean, imbalance is great, right? We want mm -hmm. to see Last Stop on Market Street, but mm -hmm. we also need to see stuff like mm -hmm. Jacked. Mm -hmm. So what would you yeah. say to that? And that's actually a question for for all for everybody. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Last Stop on Market Street? A little bit. Um, I mean, it definitely was a title, and people responded to the title. But Jackie directed it. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm thinking of something eloquent. I don't have anything eloquent besides like, <laughs> this is what we do, and this is what we have to always do. We have to always push. We have to always push back. We have to always break ceilings, bust down doors, whatever. Right. Um, so I don't have anything profound to say besides we have to keep doing what we've been doing. I think mm -hmm. we've always, you know, mm -hmm. our, the artists forever have always been that mm -hmm. um, to society. So, you know, I don't, you know, and, and again, I'm, I, you know, I'm not an artistic director, so I don't have to tiptoe around things um, mm -hmm. the way that, you know, that you all may have to negotiate. But as a director, I'm like, give, give me that hard stuff. I mm. want to see it. I want to do it. I want to be in the room for making it and, and, and you know, seeing it get on its feet. So, mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, well, I literally did a show that was called A Kid's Play About Racism. So, <laughs> truly, you can't get more specific. Where he's just like, uh, you know, you wouldn't. You'd have to really pay attention to know what it is about. <laughs> Mine from the beginning of the piece. That's what it was. But I would say my uh, reach out to individuals who are itching and desiring to shake up the TYA mold would be to find those pockets of opportunity when you can get in there and they cannot deny you the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's been so many years where people have wanted to put more exciting um, and new styles and ways of creation in front of young audiences, but there were so many different walls and gatekeepers that were really preventing that from happening. And I feel like that's slowly being taken apart. And unfortunately, a lot of it has come from the revolution of 2020. Uh, but in but there are those bright spots from the last two years where we've been able to try things. And I'm someone who is always trying to think outside of the box and has recently been feeling the strain of having to restrict myself mm -hmm. and what I would like to be producing mm -hmm. on our stages mm -hmm. because of those unfortunate gatekeeping things that are starting to trickle back in mm -hmm. now that people are opening up again and the government's opening up again. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say if there are windows, go through them. If there are, if that door opens up a little bit of a crack, run in mm -hmm. <laughs> and put your work out there because that might be it. And you may have to make the most of it in that moment. And then, you know, just wait a little bit longer. And then I'm sure there's going to be another window because that has been the blessing for me is that I, I put something out there that was really in your face. People responded mostly very positively to it, which led to the position I have now, which then led to me being able to be like, we can do original work. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be immersive. <laughs> and let's do something 
and let's write a book first. So like we will adapt a book, but it'll be our book that we adapt. I love that. You know, and then maybe I now need to go back and uh, I think a we should make bit, a book but... of that. <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. We should totally Done. do it. Done. <laughs> so yeah, that would be my thing. Like, there will always be a window that will open or a door that will crack. Just go through it. And I think we we all have to be a little bit subversive, right? So I mean, we're even when it's a book that's a title. You have to be sure that it's got all the stuff that you would want mm-hmm. to have. And so I never judge somebody for doing what they need to do to keep their theater mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not that interested in some of those things. But when I come across something like the Cheryl West's mm-hmm. Last Stop, yes. which has the Dozier's mm-hmm. doing the music and it's, you know, it's celebrating community. Mm-hmm. It's it's addressing food insecurity mm-hmm. and homelessness and all those things that we want to have kids talking about, but it's safe and people can bring their kids and their classes because they know it. It's a book. Um, but that gives us space to do some of the other things, too. Mm-hmm. Shout and out Cheryl West, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you, oh, should. Should. you need to have Cheryl West. Does, she has a show going now. Yep. She has yep. a TYA show. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, so uh, I I think though um, when you can connect with playwrights, that's the best way to start making things happen. And except for Idris is too busy, but no. very <laughs> busy, <laughs> no, but um, no, but and doing the kind of original work that you're talking about, Kalia, I love that, uh, and developing things that really come from who you are. Mm. You know, that's that's the best stuff. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up that we shouldn't take away the benefits and the awesomeness that are children's books. Mm. Literature, getting kids excited about mm. reading has always been a fundamental, like, foundational tool of TYA. Mm. Uh, and I think that there are some really cool new books coming out. We're just now dealing with the the streaming industry mm-hmm. has picked up on what we in the TYA yeah. industry have been doing for many years mm-hmm. and they have a lot more money than a lot of us do and so we're starting to lose out on opportunities to adapt these books that are relevant and colorful and we really want kids to see and so hopefully soon we will be able to find a way to work actually together so that there can be live versions of these shows that would only benefit them wanting you to watch it on a screen. Like, I, But that is a challenge that we're facing right now, right. which is frustrating. Yeah. The rights to those books just go, oh, we just do on top. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it's wonderful. I mean, some kids maybe aren't readers, but then they'll see the book on stage and then it gets them to read it. But yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, it's not always easy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm seeing, I'm seeing locked lips. Okay. Yeah. So um, we'd like to invite the audience if there are any questions because we are we do have an audience. Um, <laughs> if anybody would like to, to uh, ask any questions, uh, we invite you to yes. Oh, to say uh, your name and where you're from, and then and speak into our fun little audience <laughs> microphone right there. Um, and if you don't, we can just keep going. But if, does anybody have any questions? Hi. Uh, 
<coughs> Excuse me, sorry, I came late, so I may have even missed this. My name is Chuma Galt, I'm from Los Angeles. Um, but in reference to gatekeeping and the gatekeepers, and and y'all are content producers and content makers and, and, and artistic directors, and you have your own bailiwick of, of territory, right? So my question is how I, I look at you as gatekeepers. And so my question is, who, how do you identify the gatekeepers that prevent you from doing what you want to do? <laughs> and then how do you then strengthen your position as gatekeepers in your own right? So instead of having to let someone crack the door open for you, you're behind the door yes. opening for others. Where, where, where do you, how do you make that leap? I've had a lot of conversations with friends of mine about gatekeeping. Specifically, I'm from St. Louis. I'm in the middle of the country. So when it comes to even being able to direct regionally, there's a lot of gatekeeping, right? Um, but for me as a director, it's me bringing on people like my sound designer, Jackpot, that did Jack. He's never done theater, but he's a dope music designer. He's a great producer. So I'm bringing you in. Bringing in, you know, Chris Pay Saunders out of, out of Denver. He's from St. Louis. He's an amazing thing. Like, I'm super invested in, for me specifically, St. Louis artists because I know what that means to be stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I think it is about who you bring on from your, um, and, and I hear you too. And the only way for me to, like, break down that gatekeeping is, again, to pull up these people, relationships, people that I know that are dope and amazing that are not seen and push them forward when you have positions mm -hmm. like that, Right. I don't even, I'm an actor, but I rarely act because I feel like I'm powerless when I'm acting. Mm. I don't, I can't bring the team I want in when That's I'm right. acting. That's right. But if I'm directing, I'm bringing, I'm bringing my people, you know? Uh, and, my, and a lot of my people that, again, are not given those opportunities. So that's how I break it down. And then you get into a position like Julia is in to bring someone like Jackie in as an artistic associate. So we're continuing this nice thread of like, I'm gonna surround myself with individuals who don't, who I may not have those connections, but I know they have those connections mm -hmm. and I want them in our spaces. So you start, you find those individuals and you value their time and their resources by having them be active and involved because it is really, really, really hard. And I have been learning firsthand what it the limits are when you get into positions of leadership that I assumed would be one thing right. and is actually turning into <laughs> something completely different. Uh, and I <laughs> tend to like shrink back into like, but I do just like to direct things. Like yeah. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make some plays? I, uh, yeah, I don't want to deal with the board. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the board. I just want to like just make. Yeah. I art. just want to go in the room. Yeah. I just want to be in the room and be with yeah. the actors, and that's all I want to do. Yeah. But yeah. I'm really glad that you're bringing that up because I'm seeing it as the reason I have even wanted to pursue artistic leadership is because in my own um, journey as an artist, I just have rarely seen myself, and I and I know those same yeah. people yeah. that are so cool, yeah. and I'm like, they would be so awesome at this project, but no, they the the theater I'm working at does not know that they exist, yes. and I want to make sure they know they exist. 
uh, this board doesn't realize that there are opportunities in certain types of art making that we weren't even thinking about or the way that we can engage the community in a way you weren't even thinking about. But maybe if I'm in that board, maybe if I'm in that room, they got to listen to me because y'all, you know, you put me here. So now I'm going to speak. So that is what I'm starting to notice, too, is like I got to insert myself. And instead of seeing it as a burden for a long time, I felt very... Uh, undervalued because I was the only person of color in a lot of spaces mm-hmm. like that. But now as I'm getting older, I'm seeing a huge benefit of just being able to use my voice in a way that I'm seeing active change happening. Mm-hmm. But I got to get into those rooms. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Day Yay, she, hers. Um, I guess, so you all talked a lot about like relationships and like, if there's a door crack, just rush into it, and I'm all about that. I will open that door. <laughs> but, but I guess um, for me, as a young, aspiring playwright, which, thank you, by the way, I feel like coming to this conference, I found what my voice wants to be. Mm-hmm. It's always been TYA, but for some reason, I never labeled it as that. So it just feels like a piece of me is complete, so thank you. <laughs> um, yes. But, like, how how... I don't know how to word this, and I'm sorry, I don't have, clearly not a good playwright, can't find words. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What, I guess, how, as you all in higher positions, how do you maybe, I I guess, what uh, paper, more paperwork ways of finding like new artists, how can we be seen if we, not we, like for example here, I've met you all, but that doesn't necessarily mean I've created a relationship that's sustainable. How could like new artists like us be seen by you guys? Actually, I think being here in this room today, <laughs> yeah. I do see you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I got an email from you, I would go, oh, yes. she was that yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you would start that email by like, hey, man, I just want to say, Julia, you said some very smart <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I'm just one of many, so I, yeah. I guess. It's nerve-wracking. Yeah. It is nerve-wracking. And I still feel like that. And for me, even more so relationships, like authentic relationships. Because I'm not, like, I don't, I don't like, I'm not a schmoozer. And I'm not a, I'm not that. I'm not like, I do this, that, like, that's just not, I'm not wired like that. And you can tell when people aren't, like, coming to you on some real stuff. It's icky. It's weird, right? So, you know, right? So it's like, how do I do this authentically? How do I, like, legit build a connection? And sometimes it may be, like, you know, in your city or your area, can you have tea with someone? I mean, you know, the worst thing to say is no. Can you go have lunch? Can you go have tea? Can you do what? Like, what are the things that you can, like, really, really build a real connection? So I think that's super important, too, of, like, how to really have some real, real moments with people. I think if you came to St. Louis and saw a show at Metro and said, hey, Jackie and right. Julia, can we right. go to the London Tea Room? Right. We would be to we all would, about it. Right. Totally. Yeah. What? You're what Don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, it's not hyperbole. The, the level of generosity and, and collaborativeness and inclusion in the TYA space is very special. And it's because there is a clarity of mission. We're all rolling the same. We we have already decided we're down for something that's bigger than our egos. You know what I'm saying? We think it's it's possible for us to be great artists. But we're we're telling stories to children, yo. Like it's not that deep. Like this is missionary work. You know what I'm saying? Like this is so so. You you will not find a group of people more 
generous and more like, come on in. Come That's on in. Where you get into a little bit of the, uh, I did, you know, all that other stuff, the schmoozing and, yeah. the, and it's, it's when you get into the like, you know, yeah. yeah, when you get into the adult world, that's where it gets like kind of gross. Yeah. That's where you need a good agent. You yeah. know what I mean? To do, you know, to, to, to do that stuff. That, that is why I do not live in New York or Los Angeles. That is why I live in the middle of the country because mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. I, I want to talk about the work, like the, in, the, in the schools, in the streets, like doing the work. So you will, you will seriously, like already just, the fact that you're a young person saying, I, I'm interested in TYA, we're all, all we're of us are right. like, yeah. yeah. right? There's not that yeah. many of us. Right? There's, there's not that many theater artists in America, period, that are like truly about it. Yeah. And, and good on them. But but then but in even a subsec of that is those of us who who rock who who rock the TYA tattoo, you know what I mean? So um there's a tattoo I can get. Fam, <laughs> right. I can't. I can That's only so say too I can't much. Show it to you. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta stop the recording. Speaking of stopping the recording, <laughs> I just want to be mindful of everyone's time because yeah, it is twelve oh two. I want to thank our panelists. This is this conversation could just keep going on and on. So, but thank you so much for your time. This has been so informative. Um, inspiring, enlightening. Um, I hope that that we all got to learn something today, and, um, and thank you for being with us. Okay. Yay! Thank Yay! you. Wow! It was wonderful to hear from the professionals who are helping to shape TYA and who are making the decisions about the plays um, that are being produced for young audiences. It was so great to just hear what their process is and what their mindset is. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think it's so important again, to, to look at TYA, not as separate from theater. I mean, theater, you know, it's, it's this thing, right? That TYA is not, is not a separate beast. It's we're, we're creating theater. We're creating theater for, we're creating theater for the most discerning audiences. If we're being real about what. Oh my is. goodness. Yeah. Everybody. If you, if you want some real feedback on your writing, get a group of young people to dramaturg your work. They yes. will be honest with you and it's great. If you want a real play lab, <laughs> put it in front of kids. So anyway, I just think uh, I'm so happy. Tori, I'm really happy that we both are very much on the same page about continuing to keep TYA in the conversation in this space, in the hate playwright space, because um, I think more people need to need to just consider it. Theater makers need to consider TYA as a really rich and valuable space, an exciting space to try new things out. So with that, Tori, I think uh I think we go and 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 carry on and and keep doing uh keep doing all the things that we have to do to get through this month. You have a trip coming up to New York soon. And mm -hmm. and then you know, and then you're going to Albuquerque. You got a lot of things going on. I have a fundraiser because I'm I am not only as a theater maker, but I am also supporting um, young Latinx theater makers who are who are working on this beautiful musical called Daydreamer. Shout out to Mario Vega and Eliza Vidar who are working on this. Um, I'm going to put it up on my Instagram soon, so um, learn more about it there. But um, but 
I'm working on on getting those kids. And if you're interested in making a donation to help this play be realized, there is oh! going to be a, a reading of it in August. And so we'll put a donation link because this oh. is the theater that Mabel works with very near and dear to her heart. They do great work and it really is um, helping to uh, uplift voices in the Latinx community. So we'll put that great. in the show notes. Thank you, Tori. Thank you for calling it out. Yeah. Um, all right. So with that, uh, we we will um, say farewell. And uh, we do we have a writing exercise for this one? Did we do a? So we didn't. You know what? You know what I would say. I would say. Uh, I would say do it as a, a free write about what. Uh, after listening to the conversation, what inspired you? about hearing this conversation about theater for all audiences and I I support that I support that I think that's a great idea I love it and if you if you feel so inclined please post it up on our Instagram you know what 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 are your takeaways we want to hear from you okay that would be amazing and as always if you uh if you are not following us, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, rate us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us. It does make a difference and we sure do appreciate all of you. Thank you for being a friend. Do, 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 do. Travel down the road. Okay, we can only do 30 seconds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Okay. Bye, Playwright. Bye, Playwright. <laughs>